Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Let's take, did y'all go to your Bibles yet? Matthew chapter 15. While you're turning there, I want to do a, the prodigal son in the key of F. We'll call it prodigal fun. Feeling footloose and frisky, a feather-brained fellow forced his father to fork over his farthings. Fast he flew to foreign fields and frittered his family's fortune, feasting fabulously with floozies and faithless friends. <laughs> Fleeced by his fellows in folly, facing famine and feeling faintly fuzzy, he found himself a feed-flinger in a filthy foreign farmyard. Feeling frail and fairly famished, he fain would have filled his frame with foraged food from the fodder fragments. Phooey! My father's flunkies fare far fancier, the frazzled fugitive fumed feverishly facing the facts. Finally, frustrated from failure and filled with foreboding, he fled from the filthy foreign farmyard. Far away, the faithful father frequently fixed his focus on far-off fields. Finally, he found the familiar form in his field of vision and flew to him, fondly flinging his forearms around the fatigued fugitive with filial affection. Falling at his father's feet, the frazzled fugitive floundered forlornly. Father, I have flunked and fruitlessly forfeited family favor. The father, forbidding any forestalling further flinching, frantically flagged the flunkies to fetch forth the finest fatling and fix a feast. Faithfully, the father's firstborn was in a fer fertile field fixing fences, while father and the fugitive were feeling festive. The foreman felt fantastic as he flashed the fortunate news of a familiar family face that had forsaken fatal foolishness. A few feet from the farmhouse, the firstborn found a farmhand fixing a fatling. Frowning and finding fault, he found father and fumed. For this floundering failure, you frivolously furnish a feast, forgetting the he flatlined his fortune in fellowship with floozies. The firstborn's fury flashed, feeling it was only fitting to be favored for his faithfulness and fidelity to family, father, and farm. In foolhardy fashion, he faulted the father for failing to fashion a fatling and feast for his friends. His fundamental fallacy was a fixation on favoritism, not forgiveness. Frankly, the father felt the frigid firstborn's frugality of forgiveness was formidable and frightful. But the father's former faithful fortitude and fearless forbearance to forgive both fugitive and his firstborn flourishes. The far-sighted father figured, such fidelity is fine. But what forbids fervent festivity for the fugitive that is found? Unfurl the flags in finery. Let fun and frolic freely flow. Former failure is forgotten. Folly is forsaken. Forgiveness forms the foundation for future fortitude. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 28. Today I want to talk to you. To you. <laughs> I keep wanting to. <laughs> I want to talk to you about how to have great faith. How to have great faith. You know, God wants you to have great faith. Great faith is total surrender, total dependence on him. Our faiths are all at different levels as individuals. Now, God grants to us or he gives to each of us the measure of faith, as Scripture says. But from that day forward, it's on us to exercise that faith and grow that faith. And that happens through much of it, through hearing the word and declaring the word. 
All right, hearing the word and declaring the word. Because the scripture teaches us that faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing. By hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is released or it is exercised through your declaration, through what comes out of your mouth. All right? So how is it that we have great faith? We're going to learn from this very familiar story uh, about a, a woman who... Jesus said about her, said of her, that she had great faith. Look at this. Then Jesus said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. Now, I want to know what this woman did or what she said that caused this response from Jesus. Right? I mean, how would you like to have Jesus say that to you? Hey, great is your faith. You can have whatever you desire. Right? I believe all of us here today would like our prayers answered. Come on. How would you like all your prayers answered here? Can I see it? Show? See, so you, some of you got quiet this like the first service because you heard that Garth Brooks song. And you somehow think he's a theologian and thinks some of God's greatest gift are unanswered prayers. That's not true. He's not a theologian. He's a country singer, all right? God wants your prayers answered. That's why he wants you to come and pray to him. All right? And he's, Jesus said, if, you, if you'll ask, whatever you ask, believe you receive and you will have it. Okay? At, then he said, ask and you will what? Seek and you will? Knock and the door will? Now, is there any room for doubt in any of that statement at all? I'm, I find it amazing how, how my, my brothers in arms, known as other pastors or preachers, somehow find doubts in all of that. Or start to reason, now Jesus doesn't mean everything. He said, whatever things you desire. Now, obviously, we're all mature enough here to understand. He doesn't mean everything. I'll immediately start trying to reason these things out. Instead of just accepting what Jesus has said and just letting those words sink in. And taking him at his word and not preacher ding dong over here. But taking Jesus at his word. All right, it's like Jesus says these things and then he just, it's like he's just saying, can you really believe that I'm that good? Can you believe that you can live this kind of life where every prayer gets answered? Well, Lord, I haven't had all my prayers answered. That's not what I said. Can you believe that? The danger is that we exalt our experiences above what he has said. And we look at his word in light of what we've experienced rather than what we've experienced in light of his word. And as long as you've got that, that thing flipped around, you'll never really truly have what God ultimately wants you to have. All right? So I want to get to this place. I don't want to be known for someone who had pretty okay faith. Yeah, I, I don't want to have some, be somebody who has weak faith or somebody that has stumbling faith. I want to be in this place in my life where I have great faith. Am I in the right church here tonight? Today, I mean, tonight. It's been a long day already. <laughs> Great faith. Great is your faith. And when Jesus was discipling his guys, he told them on several different occasions, he would say things like to them, hey, where was your faith? Hey, how, how, how was it that you had no faith? Oh, you have little faith. We got to stop being so sensitive about our faith and stop acting like that's the most sacred thing in the world. Our little faith is so sacred. God forbid somebody tell me I need more faith. Hey, what if you do need more faith? Wouldn't you want to be told that? What if that actually is the problem? Huh? I know. If I, have, if, I'm, if I do not, if I'm not the place in faith, I think I want to know that. I don't want to try to protect that and act like, no, 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 this is what God gave me and that's all I got. And if that's not going to get me what I want, then just leave me alone. 
Don't pick on me and my faith. Well, then you're going to have to deal with Jesus because that's what he constantly did with his disciples. And if you're going to be a true disciple of Christ, you're going to have to get over yourself. And when he says, oh, you have little faith, that means, okay, God, what do I got to do? How do I increase my faith? What do I need to do? All right, I'm not here to protect this. I'm here to be like you. I want what you have for me. I want to live the kind of life you've called me to live. So I'm not going to protect, try to protect myself in this at all. Huh? He says, great is your faith. Do you remember one time when, 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 uh, when, when the, when the uh, centurion came to Jesus and, and he said, don't, he asked him to come to his house to come heal his daughter. And he said, no, never mind, never mind. You just send the word. You just say the word. And I know, I know she'll be made, healed, made whole because I'm a man under authority just like you. That way, because I'm under authority, I can tell this guy to go and he goes and this guy to come and he comes. So all you have to do is speak a word because Jesus, I understand something about authority that you speaking a word is just as good as you being there. And this is what Jesus did. He's standing around his disciples and he says, I've not seen such great faith in all of Israel. Not even my own guys walk like this, right? So there's something about this place of faith. This is just something that's just been personally challenging me lately. Uh, Pastor Roxanne really brought some great stuff at the prophetic conference that, that just made me want to go further in it and, and to strengthen myself in faith and to grow in it more and to, because uh, I, I truly do, I don't want to miss out on what God has for me. You know, I want his best in my life. Um, and he says, great is your, now look, let's look at Matthew, now let me just help you understand something today that I, I need you to understand that I understand what time it is. Okay, so, of course, it's like the kid who asked his dad, hey, dad, what does it mean when the preacher looks at his watch? His dad said, apparently nothing, son. Uh, no, it does mean something to me, so <laughs> we'll, we probably won't get through this entire message today. We'll just pick up next time, all right? We come back next time? Okay, good. Then he said to her, this is the same story, but this is Mark's account. Then he said to her, for this saying, go your way. Remember Matthew said, O woman, great is your faith, be it unto you what you desire. And her daughter was healed. For this saying, go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. Oh, okay, so now, now we get a little bit of better understanding. He says, great is your faith. Oh, it was something that she said. It was something that she said. And Jesus heard it and said, great is your faith. What did she say? I wonder if we, could, if we could package this thing up and put it in a book and sell it. All you have to do is say these words. This is what the, the lady from Canaan said, and you'll get everything you want. I wish it was that easy. But it's not really, it's, it's, it's really the kind of thing she said more than it is the thing she said. Are you ready to go there? Anybody want to know? Anybody want to know what, what got Jesus' attention of someone that had great faith? Let's back up now in the story. Go to 21. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan. Can now listen to me. This lady is not a Jew. She's like you and me. So we can, I'm glad she's here in the book because I feel like I'm there in the book when I read about people that were not Jews, right? So she's, she's, she, she's a, a North Texan. <laughs> Have mercy on me. Oh, Lord, she said, son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. This girl's got problems. This is, this is more than just a common cold. All right? This girl's got big problems. But he answered her not a word. 
okay? He didn't answer her. Jesus continues to walk. And we've talked through this story, but I just want to remind you again today, if you're really going to face the real Jesus, come to terms with the real Jesus, you're going to have to have a little bit of thick skin. Hmm? Because he can come across offensive if you don't really know what he's about and what he's doing. All right? This woman comes to him. Think about how desperate she is. Her daughter is severely demon-possessed, and she knows this man can cast devils out. So she comes and says, have mercy on me, O son of David. And the scripture says, Jesus doesn't answer her. He just keeps walking. Now, in our culture, we would call that rude. Huh? What if, what if a, you saw a pastor doing that? This, that's rude. Come on, can we be real here today? That's rude. He just ignored her. At least that's what we would think initially. Because we like to get offended so easily. Not us, other people on Facebook. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away, for she cries out after us. Watch this. But he answered and said, watch, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. (gasps) Jesus isn't being rude. Jesus is on a mission. And she's not part of his mission. He's a man under authority. He said, whatever God tells me, the Father tells me to do, that's what I do. Whatever the Father tells me to say, that's what I say. And in regards to her, there was nothing. He's just doing his job. He's just fulfilling his call. I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Sorry, she's from McKinney. She don't get in on this. So Jesus made it clear. Right there in that one verse, we see that as As he was on the earth, his earthly ministry was to the Jews and the Jews alone. He healed the Jews. He taught the Jews. All right? Two different occasions a Gentile received something from him that he didn't have a right to. One was that centurion that I just talked about, and the other one was this lady right here. And both times he gawked at their faith, was in awe of their faith. All right? Watch. Then she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, you got that thick skin around him. It's not right that I take what belongs to the children and give it to dogs. You ignore me? Okay. You insult me? I'm done with you. <laughs> Even, <laughs> amazing. But look what she says. Are you ready to see what she says that Jesus said, this is great faith? Watch this. Here's the formula right here. You you want to write it down? This will change your entire life. You say this every day, seven times a day. You'll get your miracle. (laughs) And send a check for (laughs) $1,000. You've all seen that person, right? (laughs) Okay. Yes, Lord. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. What? That's great faith? That's what he said. Great is your faith. 
How is that great faith, Jesus? What's so great about... Don't, aren't you just waiting for her to say something profound? Like, I read what she says, and I've got this expectation that after reading what he said, and then go back to see what she said, and I go, oh, oh, wow. Yeah, the dogs get the crumbs, Jesus. Come down, you know, fall off the table. That's amazing. (laughs) Did you guys hear that? that's That's great faith. Great faith. You can have whatever you want. Wow. So you, you understand it's really not about what she said. It's about what she was saying by what she said. She agreed with him instead of get offended at him. Now, right there, throw this to the little dogs, and then she went, oh, ah, 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 ah. but the dog... From the master's table? Okay, okay, you call me a dog? That means you're my master. That means I get what falls from your table. You see that? And Jesus went, whoa. Now I gotta take care of my dog. (laughs) All right. Because, as the great Bishop T.D. Jake says, now I cannot even preach like this man. Something he said years ago, I heard him preach a message like this. He says, she said, Lord, I just need a crumb. Because whatever's in the bread is in the crumb. And if there's healing in the bread, there's healing in the crumbs. (laughs) And the organ takes (laughs) Wow, that's awesome. Get up here, John. Let's go. All right. So, interesting. Same story. Same story. A little different way that they looked at it. Mark and Matthew's account. Jesus is great as your faith. The first thing that we see from this story. The first thing that we see, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop with this first point, all right? This first truth for my homiletic students. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say point. Wow. This first key or truth is this. She said, have mercy on me. Someone who is at the place of great faith understands and remembers always that God is merciful. God is merciful. Hmm. You need to be reminded of that today because religion knows he's judgmental. But you by faith know he's merciful. How does the Bible tell us to get mercy? How does the Bible tell us to get mercy? Anybody remember Hebrews chapter 4? Thank you, sweetie. How do you come and get mercy? Think about that. You come and get mercy boldly. Doesn't that work against what you know about getting mercy from someone? 
Come on, husbands and wives, talk to me here. Hmm? And most of the time it's the husband, right? But since it's Father's Day, we'll say it's the wife that's groveling, all right? Give you dads a break today, right? <laughs> yeah, she's not in the building. I can say whatever I want. No, somehow she's listening. I know. <laughs> Josh says you're being recorded. By the way, Josh, we will do this testimony in the next part, okay? All right. I don't want you to arrest me or anything. She, uh, uh, when you think about needing mercy from someone, what is mercy? Mercy is you not getting what you deserve. Justice demands that you get what you deserve, right? But mercy is you not getting what you deserve. And so we, we, when we want mercy from someone, we tend to think the way to get that mercy is to grovel for it, is to beg for it, maybe even get on our knees to show that we're sincere, that we really need mercy. God, be merciful, right? But the scripture has something else to say about this. It says, let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. Yeah. How in the world? Doesn't that work against everything that we think? Yeah, it absolutely does. It's supposed to. This is, this, this, this is the grandeur of our God. And this needs all of us to, this helps us really understand he loves us so much. And he wants us to remember just how much he loves us that if we need mercy, we come there and act like we have a right to it. Oh mm, my God. That we have a right to something we don't deserve. Now, I certainly am not going to do that with my wife. I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to grovel because that's what she expects. That's not what God expects. That's not what God expects. He says, hey, I want you to come on my terms. You want mercy for me? You come on my terms. And my terms, thanks to the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, you come boldly before the throne of grace. Don't you come groveling in your false humility. And think about this. That actually is humility to come boldly before God to obtain mercy. Think about that, how that works against us too. That is real humility because that's what he said to do. And he doesn't care what you think about it. He just wants you to humble yourself under his opinion and say, okay, I'm going to trust you, God. And let me tell you something. It will be humbling because there are going to be people who are going to call you a freak. One of those faith people, one of those blab it and grab it, name it and claim it, health and prosperity. <laughs> but your heavenly father's taught you something different. That he's a good God and he wants to give you things. He has a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And Jesus Christ died to ensure that every promise of God is yours. And it's yes and it's amen. Will, everybody be, will there be anybody that will humble themselves under his opinion for once and take what he's come to give you? And take that mercy and take that grace and say, thank you, Lord, that I can come here because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. That today I am holy and I am righteous before him. And I come to take on that, to pull on that mercy that you so freely give to me. Not because I deserve it, but because Jesus deserved it for me. So I'm coming on your terms. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to preach so hard. 
That just excites me. That sets me free. That makes me want to pray different. Makes me want to know God more. Because he don't think like I'm thinking. Sometimes we think about God that he's like us except a little bit better. (laughs) He's so much better than us. And he continually shows us by scriptures like that. And another one says it's the goodness or the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. I mean, you know what that's like. You ever been just being a knucklehead? You know? You just decided that you're going to have a funky attitude. All right? You know, you do decide that. I woke up upset this morning. No, you didn't. You chose to be upset. Don't act like you're a victim to it. You got mad and you stayed mad. Huh? Just being that way. And all of a sudden, sudden, something good happens to you. You're at Starbucks and you're ticked off. This has happened to me. Because the line's taking so long. Thinking, don't they know who's here? Let me call fire down from heaven, God. And all of a sudden, with all this funky attitude, just getting impatient, the person in front of me pays for my coffee, right? I'm like, oh, well, I'm a jackass. So then you, gotta, you feel like you've got to pay it forward, right? I'm paying for 10 people, the next 10 people. It's those moments that we understand that God's goodness is not predicated upon our performance. It's who he is. It's based on his character. God's going to be good whether you're good or not. But there's something about his goodness that makes you want to be gooder. (laughs) Can I say gooder? That's a St. Angelo word. Gooder. All right? It makes you want to be When God shows us moments like that where his mercy and his grace and his kindness and provision come through in moments of our weakness and our funkiness, that doesn't make me go, well, apparently I can live however I want to. (laughs) God's going to bless me anyway. What knucklehead says that? Huh? Nobody thinks like, I, I think, oh my God. Thank you for that. Lord, I want to be better. I got to know you more. Let's close our eyes for just a moment. We're going to pray. Father, hallelujah. You're so good to us. Lord, thank you that today when we, when we woke up this morning, we woke up to the reality of new mercies. Your mercies are new every morning. Just like we had a fresh sunrise this morning. We had fresh mercies. Because, Lord, you want us always mindful of the new things. Our new creation reality that old things are gone and new things have come. All things have become new. Thank you, Lord, for that. So that we don't get stuck in our ways. We don't get stuck in what was. But, Lord, we're always going to be living in a new experience with you. That though you are the God who never changes, yet you're always doing new things. Renewing us, rejuvenating us, God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy.
your abundant, abundant mercy from one generation to the next. Lord, it, it became a theme throughout Israel, a song that they would sing, a song that would even bring them victories, God. But one that they kept singing, every, especially every time they, that they were delivered again from captivity, Lord. They would say, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Thank you, Lord, that we did not get what we deserve. We got mercy. Thank you for saving us. God, help us. Help us to be vigilant in faith, to fight the good fight of faith, to continually let our ears hear what God has said because what we continually hear is what we ultimately believe. (laughs) And our life will be dictated by what we ultimately believe. And what we ultimately believe will be dictated by what we continually hear and continually confess. So help us to be faithful, to give our time to the hearing of the word. Lord, every day to get your word in us so that we stay in that realm of faith, God. Because faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And so that we can grow in that faith and exercise that faith by getting your word in our heart and in our mouth and declaring it into our lives, declaring it into people's lives that we come in contact with, those that are in our sphere of influence, Lord, that we can begin to help change the atmosphere by our faith in God. And even as this, this, this outsider, this foreign woman, Lord, who, who was not in covenant with you, Lord, in one moment, she got all the rights that the children got because she acted like Abraham. That is, she believed you. Your word says that we are all today children of Abraham. We're blessed with believing Abraham by faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to abandon our thoughts, abandon reasoning, Lord, when it comes to believing you, to simply take you at your word and hold on for dear life. Thank you, Lord, that all your promises today are yes in Christ and in him, amen. They are readily available to those who will access them by faith. So, Lord, we want to do that. We want to be people of great faith, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for challenging us. Thank you, Lord, for instructing us. Thank you for encouraging us and for building our lives. And I just thank you for your blessing upon all these that are here today, Lord, in this moment. I declare grace and peace be multiplied to them from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.